Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast off junk, where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go, a podcast about the life cycles of people, places, and things. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. And we're doing a slight change of format uh, to see if we can get ourselves to record a little more often in these pandemic times with peculiar schedules where we're going to do one topic per episode. And so one of us will be speaking per episode. And this week, I'm going to go ahead and talk about something that I've already told Sarah all about, uh, not because of a recording mishap this time, but because we discussed this topic with uh, the Your Brain on Facts host, Moxie. Uh, it was right around the same time of year. I think it was last December. Yeah, it sounds right. And obviously it's not December right now, but a uh, similar time of year uh, where I talked about where did molded salads go or congealed salads or jello salads. Where did those go, Sarah? Away. <laughs> <laughs> In many ways, mercifully, they have gone away. And I'm also <laughs> going to briefly talk. I might as well talk about it now. I've always wanted to do an episode about where Vianetta went in the United States. And for people listening outside of the United States, you're probably thinking, oh, it didn't go anywhere. We can get Vianetta right now. Just go to the store, wear a mask. But in the United States, uh, Vianetta was a frozen dessert. It was sold under Briars in the United States, the brand Briars. It was sold under Walls, I believe, in the UK, and that's where it was originally invented. And then it's been sold internationally. It's very popular in Japan, in Indonesia. Uh, it was popular for a while in Canada. And it is a layered ice cream dessert where it's got ruffly ribbons of vanilla ice cream or sometimes chocolate or mint. And then layers of a very thin, cold chocolate that gets crisp when it's, when it's frozen. So it's got layers of roughly vanilla ice cream and crisp chocolate. And it was billed as the fanciest thing you could put in your mouth on earth. <laughs> the drama of the commercials. And I need to send Sarah these commercials so she can see. Uh, the early Vianetta commercials were billing this as just the fanciest of desserts. And there's a group of us in the United States, uh, roughly around my age, I'm 34. So people around my age, maybe a little bit younger and definitely a few years older, where uh, there's sort of a shared memory of your family getting Vianetta once and you were only allowed one slice but these commercials ran all the time. So your family got Vianetta once, probably for a dinner party. You got a little slice or a taste. And then that was it. And then Vianetta went away in the United States. Because it actually wasn't all that popular. Uh, I read a quote at one point that Vianetta was uh, extraordinarily cheap ice cream sold as a very expensive treat. Uh, <laughs> so. Was, so was there any cake in this? Like, am I... No, no cake. It looked like a cake. It was rectangular. Okay. And in I the have commercials, no idea what this is. Like, I've never even heard of it. Well, and it, I, I guess as a child, you missed out on what seemed extraordinarily fancy, but in fact was not. <laughs> uh, and it was in, in these commercials, it was always served in these crystal glasses, like champagne glasses, but not the flutes. 
the wider ones, like like the sort of Art Deco style wider champagne glasses. I don't know what those are called. What the hoozy? Yeah, I'll send you these. Then it's got the drama of a soap opera in this serving of this ice cream that looks like it does look like a cake. Uh, but the point, the reason I'm talking about this is it wasn't as popular in the United States, so it, it was discontinued. And Unilever, which is the uh, brand that owns Vianetta production, essentially internationally right now, is going to bring back Vianetta under the Good Humor ice cream label uh in 2021 so there will be uh vianetta in the united states again i can't wait to be fancy again i am 100 percent buying a vianetta i don't know that i'll buy more than one i don't i don't think my parents ever bought more than one but i will continue the tradition and i guess in a tremendous coincidence i am likely going to be Around the same age my parents were when they bought their first Vianetta, which is just hilarious. Yeah, I'm thinking this is a function of age because I'm about nine years older than you. And so Mm -hmm. this has not entered my memory at all. Like I know like the Swiss roll kind of cake where it's actually cake and then there's icing and then there's sometimes there's ice cream like in the ones that you can buy. But Mm -hmm. Vianetta is not ringing a bell at all with me. No, it's totally different. I will, I'm going to send you the links while we're talking because these commercials are well worth watching. (laughs) Uh, But they weren't very popular in the United States. And it's probably because it was one of those foods that like, it's an ice cream cake, and you could have a fancier dessert. So it's a ready made food that looks fancy. And part of why I'm bringing that up is uh, jello and jello salads and molded salads were in many ways a ready made food that looked fancy. So it's sort of a similar American thing. But it was also it was released in the United States in the 80s and into the 90s. And it was not a low fat food. Oh, that's weird. Everyone and was obsessed with low fat then. Everyone was obsessed with low fat. Obsessed with low fat food. So this would have been uh, an indulgence in in multiple ways. Uh, and not necessarily popular when you could have, there's always room for jello, stuff like that. So that's just my brief, that's my Vianetta update, which I have wanted to do since we started this podcast, but never had a good reason to, because that took five minutes. Uh, <laughs> so thank you Unilever for giving me a reason to talk about Vianetta. I was like Vianetta. the people that make deodorant and, and like body wash. They're bringing ice cream, cake-ish yes. things, but not cake, but ice cream mousse. What? It is a, I would call it, I would just call it a dessert, an ice cream dessert uh, or a layered ice cream dessert. Uh, it would almost be like a a bomb, which is B-O-M-B-E, which is a layered ice cream dessert, but it's usually uh, rounded and reminiscent of a baked Alaska, but a baked Alaska has cake. Uh, an ice cream bomb does not have to have cake. And then Vianetta does not have cake. Sarah and I should get a Vianetta and eat it together. I'm thinking once yes. Once we're vaccinated. <laughs> That can be our our vaccine celebration. Oh, my God. I'm so ready. If and when we can get vaccinated for coronavirus. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully soon. Hopefully. So 
that's where Vianetta went. That's our, Vian- that's our Vianetta minute. <laughs> now we'll a talk about with Vianetta. That that was the perfect voice for the commercials. Whenever you want fancy, find yourself a Vianetta, only available in your grocer's freezer. <laughs> that was perfect, Sarah. <laughs> That's my radio voice for you. <laughs> it was perfect. It's exactly what these commercials sound like. Take yourself back to 80s fancy. <laughs> <laughs> so where did molded salads go? So I'm going to do a brief history of gelatin to get to what a molded salad is for folks who don't necessarily know. <gasps> Yeah. A brief history of gelatin. It's made from boiling the bony and cartilaginous portions of mammals, typically pigs, cows, horses, to release collagen protein from those parts. FYI, FYI, it's not vegan. Sorry to interrupt you. Jello is, as a matter of fact, not vegan. Gelatin is not. Um, There's fish gelatin that you can get that is kosher. And then there's agarose gel and carrageenan. And there's something else. I don't remember what it is, um, but they're that are commonly used in place of gelatin for things like marshmallows. If you want a vegan marshmallow, because uh, spoiler alert, marshmallows have gelatin in them. Uh, so you release the collagen protein into the water and then this water as it cools will firm up and get kind of a jiggly gelatinous texture. Uh, this method is actually still popular in some places for savory jellies. Uh, Russia has a dish called hodolets that's made this way. So people still boil bones and eat eat the the what's left. And, you know, bone broth is very popular and stock and stuff like that. All similar methods, but uh, gelatin in particular uses just the bony parts and particularly like the the joints and things like that specifically to get sort of the texture and some flavor out of the animal parts you're using now this was originally and a lot of us going like at this this next fact sort of bears that out it was originally used as a glue (laughs) what yeah it was found in an archaeological dig in egypt so egyptians (laughs) had gelatin i'm sure that uh the sort of Mesopotamian cradle of agriculture. There was plenty of gelatin. So it was utilized as a glue, but it's also edible. And edible glue makes a lot of sense in that if you're starving and there's a famine on, you've already got a recipe for something you can technically eat. But in the good times, you can use it as glue. What is it with us eating like ancient Egyptian things? They're like, oh yeah, we use this as glue. That's good eating. Mmm mummies <laughs> right like, what sarah's referencing our mummy episode from a while back uh because it was not uncommon for europeans to consume mummies and i know that sounds disgusting but they would actually be ground up and boiled or used in tinctures or whatever for medicine and we also apparently had e- egyptian glue and i say we because i am of european descent uh referenced in europe in France, specifically, as early as 1682, possibly 1754 in England. And it was popularized as a food and method of preparation of what is essentially leftovers by Napoleon in France due to the need for a handy protein source due to import scarcity. So again, this is a feast and famine type of uh, good in that 
You can use it as a glue when you got plenty to eat, and you can eat it when you don't. <laughs> now, what does this have to do with the neon green, olive-studded dessert, not dessert, whatever that we uh, know and are we know? We I don't know if we love it or not, but we know it. So, this took a lot of work to do. You had to have either a lot of time or be very hungry in order to boil parts and then let it cool and then flavor it or whatever to get it to be a meal that's worth showing off. So dried gelatin, ready, ready-made dried gelatin that you can then add water to and it will hydrate and then you can make a gelatin dish with it, was invented as early as 1842. It was originally made in Scotland. Uh, Cox's gelatin started exporting to the United States in 1842 as well. There were lots of attempts for uses for the powdered gelatin, meals and things like that, but a lot of them were considered unpleasant or ugly, which cannot possibly be surprising to anyone. (laughs) Uh, In 1894, Knox Gelatin, which is a familiar gelatin brand that's available today, started up. And in 1895, Jell-O was invented, the brand, and it included powdered gelatin, sugar, and flavor. But it was, again, unpopular. And in 1899, Jell-O ownership had changed hands three times between 1894 and 1899. And it was progressively sold for less and less money each time. (laughs) So uh, finally, they got better at advertising. They would have, you know, some handsome, snappily dressed charming salesmen showing up at fairs and church socials and community events to show off jello the ready-made food stuff that required less labor than making homemade gelatin and it started to do better commercially so they they went to the churches the fairs community events so as i said before gelatin and gelatin dishes aspects blancmanges, etc., were considered a prestige foodstuff up until the availability of both powdered and sheet gelatin and home refrigeration, and up until those became more attainable. You either had a lot of time, which meant you had somebody else doing all the other stuff around the house for you, or you had a staff that would do it for you while you were doing whatever. So the staff would do the work. Either way, uh, a, ge- a gelatin dish was a sign of leisure, as the time on your hands meant other life tasks were being taken care of. And then uh, boiling, clarifying, flavoring, and setting gelatin takes time. If you wanted to have a more pleasing texture, also like softer and not, not the texture of a gummy bear, uh, refrigeration or access to ice is key. And that meant either it was winter or you had an ice house. And that meant you ha- it was either winter or you had money. Because ice houses are a pure luxury at that point. You could purchase ice from ice houses, but that's still a luxury in a time before refrigeration was an expectation for preparation of food. And to some extent, the wintertime may be a component of why Christmas and gelatin desserts are often associated and then churches and gelatin desserts. Although I also think of it as kind of a summertime treat, but that may be a component of jello advertising because yeah. it was in, in fact 2021 and so say in 1996 when i was 10 and i was paying attention to advertising uh, refrigeration was considered a given for a lot of food preparation hmm. 
The 1900s brought about a lot of household changes, including the rise of home economics, which was taught in schools, and it was how to run a household. And Jello was kind of sciency. It's kind of a weird, sciency, strange food. So it fit in nicely with the work of making homemaking a more defined and technical vocation. It was also still solidly associated with wealth. If there's anything Americans like, it's appearing wealthy. It was considered quite French, quite classy, which is funny because it was from Scotland. Not that Scotland's aren't, or Scotland's, not that Scottish (laughs) people aren't classy. They just aren't French. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. And the, I think they'll fight you if you try to claim they are. Yeah, although there is a, there has been a long-standing sort of geopolitical relationship between France and Scotland that was in a lot of ways maintained to have a toehold on the island of Britain. Uh, but it, we we don't need to get into French, yeah, but English you know. and Scottish geopolitics. <laughs> Scots have a definitely definite uh, identity, so you are not wrong. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it is not French. So, so why molded salad? Why chop stuff up and put it in Jello? Mm, I don't know because we so like there's... to punish ourselves. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Jello is an easy way to dress up a plate. Uh, molded salads, <laughs> congealed salads, jello salads, they look lovely. If you if you take a step back from the thought of the peculiarity of the texture or the taste, the presentation is attractive. It's shiny, it's colorful, it's got, you know, a, it's got an interesting sort of suspension behavior. So if you take a step back and just look at it as an object, it's attractive. It uh, also acted as a sort of gelatinized dressing for salads. It meant less preparation as bottled salad dressing was less available than it is today. But it also meant that fruit, veggies, and meats got a little punching up, a little seasoning. And then jello salads were a way to use up leftovers before the rise of the casserole. Uh, <laughs> and because it was associated with wealth, with wealth, it was considered a way to do it that was classy, that you could serve leftovers to your neighbors in, and your friends and whoever within a way that was kind of considered high tone. So you didn't have to spend as much money, but you were still accommodating your guests in an, a way that was considered attractive. Chopping up the veggies and meats you had in your icebox, then molding them in a gelatin of whatever flavor meant that you could do sort of a catch-as-catch-can dinner that was more attractive and still thrifty. And for a long time... In the United States, prepackaged foods were only popular if they involved some effort from the maker. It didn't appeal to anyone to have something come straight out of a box. And that's a big explanation for why cake mixes are the way they are. Uh, You have to add an egg and some oil. That's not a requirement of the manufacturing process of a cake mix. It was originally cake mixes were made where you didn't have to do anything. You add liquid, you stir it, you bake it. And it made people feel bad that they weren't going through any effort. So they weren't as popular. They became more popular. Are you kidding? I am not kidding. Like we wouldn't have to do the stupid egg and milk. Like they could just. Well, and if you look at things like mug cakes and stuff like that. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. I love mug cakes. (laughs) If you get the mixes, I don't think you have to add anything other than water. Uh, well, yeah, with the mixes, but if you do it just, it's just as easy to do it at home with cocoa powder flour and, you know, 
milk or water. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> so a congealed salad meant you did some of the work and Jello helped you out. It's probably why Hamburger Helper and things like that are so attractive. Uh, that and they're cheap. So where did they go? Because it is not as common, although it certainly happens. It's not as common to show up at a new neighbor's house with a jello jello mold or Oh to... dude, I'm gonna do it though now. <laughs> <laughs> See if you can find a COVID virus shaped mold. <laughs> <laughs> That's so evil. <laughs> Now I want to do it. Um, <laughs> no, I don't do it. We have new neighbors and I want them to like us. So I won't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I super like all my neighbors and they know I'm weird. And I think they'd actually kind of enjoy it. Perfect. So for the neighbors, you know. Yeah, like we have neighbors. They raise emus and horses and we get along really well. They'd probably think it was funny. I don't know that they'd eat it. I don't know that they'd want to eat it. But they think it was funny. <laughs> Anyway, the congealed salad became much more of a celebration food, which tended to mean that leaner recipes that weren't as festive or seasonal were abandoned. So using your leftovers, chopping up your chicken and throwing some lettuce and and some olives into lime jello became no. not very popular. <laughs> uh, congealed salads still te- seem to be not unpopular for funerals, 4th of July, Christmas. All common events where a jello salad of some kind are served. Women working outside the home often meant that prepping a gelatin salad in the morning or the night before and letting refrigerate all day was less likely to happen. People also weren't likely to be home to eat it for a lunch. Smaller families also meant that a reduction meant a reduction in gelatin consumption, apparently. This was in one of the histories I was reading. So I guess having fewer kids meant people were less likely to eat jello. I don't know. Uh, foods also started trending towards modernity and freshness. And it meant that a molded salad became a bit dated because there was sort of a move to like the freshest greens you could find and uh, organic and things like that. And jello does not scream organic, although there are sort of natural jellos, both from the brand and more sort of leaning towards having actual fruit in them already uh, gelatin products. However, Mormons are still very fond of Jell-O, and Utah is often cited as the greatest consumer of Jell-O, and it is considered a perfect family food. Wow. That's a quote. quote. I don't actually feel that way. The heyday of brand-sponsored recipes was the 1920s to the 70s, and then after that we had more celebrity chefs, quick cooking tips and tricks, and an escalation of diet culture. And so... Brand-sponsored recipes meant that Jell-O could throw out a cookbook and people would buy it. If Jell-O threw out a cookbook today, I find it unlikely anyone would buy it. They have little recipes on the backs of their boxes and things like that, but it wouldn't be as hot a seller, most likely. And so it wouldn't sell as much Jell-O. Uh, and in in speaking of diet culture, uh, the tagline, there's always room for Jell-O, was actually an attempt to point out how light Jell-O was as a dessert. It Jell-O is so full of sugar, though. Like the the stuff that's popular today, and I think in the '90s was so full of sugar. 
The original Jello recipe from the 1890s was 85% sugar. It wow. I think has less sugar now than it did. For real? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it has a slightly lower component of sugar now. But it is, <laughs> it's extraordinarily sweet, extraordinarily sweet. And it became more solidly a dessert. Uh, Jello jigglers for the kids at Christmas and stuff like that. Uh, there's also Jello shots, which are arguably not a salad, but are an ongoing <laughs> use of Jello and gelatin. Uh, they may have actually been invented in the 50s, the 1950s, by Tom Lehrer to get around military restrictions on alcohol consumption. Oh, really? I figured they were invented like in the late 90s. But no. that's when I came across them. So <laughs> Yeah, and... Uh, they were they had definitely been invented by the 1950s so there may be some credulity to tom lehrer's story but uh they may have also been invented in the 1840s so it may have and it may have arisen multiple times because putting alcohol in gelatin is not it's not rocket science i'm just gonna say that yeah that's uh, how you kill the taste of everclear <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the ones in the 18, the recipe for the one in the 1840s was a warning in the written passage discussing them that gelatin masks the alcohol flavor. So overconsumption is possible. Mm-hmm. One final reason that jello salads may have gone out of favor is they are gross. They're not <laughs> super pleasant to eat, especially the leaner ones that have like tuna fish or celery chunks in them. And there are people that find, you know, get great joy out of eating a family's recipe of jello salad and things like that. So I'm not trying to yuck anyone else's yum, but I guarantee if you like a jello salad, you don't like all jello salads. And when I first talked about this uh, with Sarah, when we did this first recording, I actually made a jello salad. Uh, I made one that I thought would be decent. It was the cathedral jelly. Uh, and it's made solely with sweet things and it was foul and I did not serve it to Sarah because I could not conscionably could not in good conscience feed my friend food that I thought was gross <laughs> so thank you well yeah sure uh not a problem even my kid wouldn't eat it and my kid will eat anything sweet uh so and there's probably a jello salad that I'd be willing to eat so I'm not trying to you know it, it became less ubiquitously popular but there may be individual salads that are enjoyable to different people, including ones that have savory components. Jello flavors over time have included, uh, and these are the most interesting ones because you've got your regular old like strawberry, cherry, grape, whatever. You've got Italian salad, celery flavored, mixed vegetable flavored, seasoned tomato flavored, plain, bubblegum, chocolate, root beer, maple syrup. Ugh, I hate... I hate the flavor of bubblegum. I hate the bubblegum flavor. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about the consistency of Jello with the taste of bubblegum, you know that pukey emoji? It just <laughs> makes me think like my brain is just pukey emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Do you so remember the first time that you had um, a savory Jello mold? Because you're from the Midwest as well. I am. I don't know if I've ever had one. Okay. The I first know that's, time. Go ahead. I know that's strange, but I come from a casserole family. Mm -hmm. I have had some very 
creative casseroles. Uh, I have made some very creative casseroles. I solidly come from a casserole family. Mm-hmm. We had Jello for children. Jello was for kids. I remember the f- so my experiences as a kid with Jello was that it was dessert. I like a Jello like a kind of Jello thing that is like cherry Jello with cherries in it, and then there's whipped cream on it, mm-hmm. and it's actually pretty good. It's super sweet. So I was assuming when I was a kid, I remember this. It was like, it was something with olives in it and I tasted it. I was like, I think I like, I put it in my mouth and then I opened my mouth and it fell out because it was so (laughs) gross. A surprise olive is not a good thing. (laughs) Especially when you're a kid and you're thinking dessert. (laughs) Yeah, that would be... uh, rough (laughs) just like right out of my mouth i believe it and uh i don't blame you i think it's like i said a very specific food where you would probably enjoy a desserty one or one with fruit but one with like olives surprise olives in it or tuna or (laughs) tuna why you could just make a tuna melt tuna melts are delicious Agreed. I might have one after we finish recording this. That sounds <laughs> good. And it's so easy. <sighs> so that's where molded salads went. The history of Jello is, in my opinion, pretty interesting. And uh, they're just not as popular because it's not the way we tend to eat anymore on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't say luxury anymore. No, it truly does not say luxury anymore. <laughs> And and they've gone away. You don't have to worry about them anymore. They won't hurt you. They can't get us. Although, okay. um, I think it was, what was it? Southern Living? Let me look. Bill Cosby is in jail. Yes. He can't, he can't make you eat pudding pops anymore. No. I think, I think Southern Living had an up, like, up-to-date, updated Jello salad for the now article and I think I believe Sarah and I went through it and looking through it it's a little more consistent in terms of this is a dessert so it's sweet this is a meal so it's savory there was a little less mixing of the meal genres involved that's where molded salads went is there any other commentary you might have about molded salads (laughs) no (laughs) yeah I think I'm I think I'm molded salad out. I mean, I really want a tuna melt now. <laughs> yeah, I really want ice cream cake now. Awesome. I'm pretty sure that I can convince my husband and our roommate that we need we need ice cream cake today. <laughs> you definitely can. And you can either get like a Carvel cake from the grocery store oh, or, yeah. or you could get one from Baskin Robbins. No, um, the parlor. Ooh. They have this ice cream pie that I is love ice cream pie. Peppermint. Mm. Yes, it's so good. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where does it go? Uh, you can find us at where does it podcast at gmail.com if you want to yell at me about jello salads. And uh, you can reach us. We got a Twitter, a Pinterest, an Instagram. Our website is where does where does it podcast.com. 
and Sarah does beautiful graphics for each episode. You can also uh, donate money to us on our website to keep our website up and our lights on in our houses. Not really in our houses, but, you know, uh, sort of for our podcast, keep the lights on. (laughs) Exactly. Figuratively. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you.